you're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Thank you. So just before I begin, a bit of family news uh, for you all. Our associate pastor, Josh, and his wife, Anna, have had a little boy. And... Um, called Jesse Joshua Turner, and I was hoping it would be John Turner, but he didn't want to go with that. So there we go. Could we just pray for them, and maybe they'll be watching um, this morning online. So, Father, thank you for Josh, Hannah, Ivy, and now Jesse, the gift of life. It's miraculous, and Lord, we pray that you'd mark him, and you would bless that entire family in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So those of you new here to church, um, our our visions, our vision, our values, our culture, our DNA, what we're about is this idea of home. And there are three elements to this. Uh, We want to be creating rooms in our city to call people and welcome people home, which is basically our mission. It's our compassion, justice, evangelism, our serving, our reach, all those things. And uh, in... uh, 2023 as a church, we really leaned into that, and it culminated uh, over and through December, through our Sundays, uh, Alpha Course, through City Carols, we had about 100 people come to faith, which is amazing, and uh, what was amazing, just before uh, kind of we were working that through, uh, I was asking the Lord whether one of our goals for 2024 should be 100 people coming to faith, and we nailed it last year. So uh, this year, let's go for a thousand. I thought that'd be that would be good. And um, it, it takes a couple of years uh, to shape culture in the life of the church. I think particularly post-pandemic, with regards to reaching out and mission. Um, but our city is so hungry. Just this last week, there've been four or five opportunities to share the gospel, to pray with people for those who are just so hungry and thirsty for something, for the more. And of course, January is is kind of like the Monday morning month, isn't it? Uh, people have that um, depression post-Christmas, and um, they s- struggle with relationally, with finances, various things. And so our city, I'm telling you, is, is hungry. It's ready. They're just one invitation away from Jesus and indeed coming to church. And so uh, we're going to be continuing to lean into making room uh, through the launch of our three services uh, as, the, as the guys mentioned, it's amazing. I think a few more people have just come through the cover. So a couple of chairs left, which is why I'm glad we decided to do what we uh, do and said in October. Look at the car park completely full. And we want to communicate to our city that there is space for you. A uh, bit of early news is I've booked City Hall again, uh, which uh, it was an amazing event. And, uh, and so we'll give more information uh, about that. We'll do another Alpha course. Um, we need to get that Hope Center uh, built this year. And we have some other initiatives uh, and God things happening, which I'll communicate uh, when, when we're ready to do so. So a lot of stuff in the melting pot in terms of our, our reach. Secondly, hope, Home is about being a family, being a community. And we're going to put a, have a big push on, on that this year. It's our central theme. What does it mean to be a, a healthy home? Uh, we don't focus on growth as, uh, as pastors, as a staff, as leaders, as a church. We focus on health. And healthy things always grow. 
And so that is our priority, that is our focus, looking at what does it mean to have a healthy church culture, to have healthy leadership in the life of the church. And there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes. We're going to be in February in 1 Corinthians, pretty much for the whole of the year. And that's about being the church in wild times, which of course we are in. And so I want to encourage you to play your part in being family, making this church a home, welcoming people home. Um, If you press on the QR code over there, you'll go to our website and you can sign up for a home group, which is small gatherings of 10, 12 people meeting in different locations midweek. And and that's really where you find relationship and friendship, where you're pastored and cared for. Uh, We encourage you to serve and let's all do our bit. There's going to be uh, men's and women's ministry happening and some new groups forming and it's going to be a lot of fun. And thirdly, and most importantly, and this kind of sets the foundation for the other two things, and that God is home. God is home. God is first. He is our number one. He is our priority. His presence is what we want. And I don't know about you, but I was just caught up in that time of worship uh, at the beginning of the service where, Lord, so thankful We're so grateful for everything that you've done. And we just want you. We love all the stuff that you're doing. We love all the various ministries and programs and and growth. But Lord, we just want you, that you are our first desire, our first love. And we want God to be at home in this church. We want this, uh, this to be his dwelling place. The manifest presence of God that when people come here and five seconds in his presence changes everything. And we, of course, want to not just have that in our gathered environments, but, of course, be carriers of his presence. So no Monday morning when we're going to uh, our various workplaces and neighborhoods and various groups and do life with people who don't have any faith, that we are carriers of the very presence of God. When we speak and when they look at us, they see something's changed in our eyes. There's a weight, there's an anointing to what we say, there's a peace, there's a joy that in this crazy world, it can only be found through and in Christ. That his fame and his renown is a yearning, the desire of our hearts. And uh, that the reality of God is so present in our lives, it's so seismic that it can't help but change our lives from the inside out. And this is what we're longing for. And this is what we want to zoom into in the month of January. We want to start right for the rest of the year. And so we're going to be doing a month's sermon series called Wired for Worship. Wired for Worship. Uh, I believe with my whole heart that God is calling His church, the church in 2024, back to true worship. True worship. And maybe at the outset of 2024, what we need is not more New Year's resolutions, but more New Year's revelation. The the reality is we're more likely to achieve maybe some of our God-given dreams and God-given goals and purpose-driven resolutions if we have a daily encounter, a daily revelation of the wonder, the majesty, the glory, the size, the holiness of God. As the late Tim Keller, uh, he talked about worship, he said, it is obedient action in response to his beauty. Obedient action in response to his beauty. 
So often as Christians, we get things the wrong way around. We're just on the treadmill of trying to strive often and live for Jesus with good intentions. But actually, that stuff comes a lot easier when we just behold the majesty and the size and the glory of God. You know, when we think about a home, if a home needs uh, some kind of renovation, it's a uh, project you've uh, undertaken, one of the first things that you'll often do is some rewiring. And so like all the cables, all the sockets, all the switches um, need redoing in order for power, and not just power, but for safe power. And I believe the church needs a rewiring when it comes to the things of worship in our time and in our day. Because no, point number one is this, every single human being in this planet is wired for worship. Every single person that we meet, every single person we do life with, every single person, the eight billion people in our world are worshipers. Think of it this way, worship is simply about value. And the simplest definition I can give is this, worship is our response to what we value most. Worship is our response to what we value most. That's why worship is that thing we all do. It's what we're all about on any given day because worship is about saying this person, this thing, this experience, this whatever matters most to me. It's the thing that I put first in my life. Worship simply means to declare or attribute worth to something. And our culture teaches us to worship something or someone. It may be brands, it may be success, it may be sex, it might be celebrity or technology. Everybody in our world is bowing down to something. And that thing might be a relationship, it might be a dream, friends, status, work, stuff, a name, some kind of pleasure. Whatever name you put on it, and only you know and I know in our own hearts and lives, this thing or that person is what you've concluded in your heart is worth most to you. And whatever is worth most to you is what you worship. Worship tells us what we value most. And as a result, worship determines our actions. So if you're thinking about establishing some new routines some new habits in 2024. The foundational point is working out in your heart of hearts who or what you worship. That will be your driver. One of my favorite quotes of all time is from a pastor in the States called Louis Giglio. He says this, it's easy. You follow the trail of your time, affection, money, allegiance, and at the end you'll find a throne. And whatever or whomever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you. And on the throne is what you worship. So if you're thinking, well, what do I worship and trying to make sense of what does that mean? Follow the trail. Follow the trail of your time. Follow the trail of your passion, your energy, your money. And so it's a false distinction, isn't it, to say in this great city of Hull that you are people who are uh, who are religious, who may turn up to a church like today or may turn up to a temple and in their mind um, worship and bow down to an imaginary God. And then there is the rest of the city who just live life, do life, watch sport. 
By the way, who watched the darts over Christmas? I'd spent three weeks watching the darts, uh, which uh, I'm glad we've got a, a, another TV to do that. Um, my kids don't really like darts. Um, and the rest of the city is watching sport, walking in the park, going to the gym, and saying they don't worship anyone or anything, and we're the worshippers here today. It's a false distinction. Every single person you meet is worshipping something. We're all worshippers. The missiologist Alan Hirsch writes, everyone has a God in the sense that everyone puts something first in one's life, money, power, prestige, self, career, love, and so forth. There must be something in your life that operates as your sources of meaning and strength, something that you regard at least implicitly as a supreme power of your life. So here's what Christians are doing, followers of Christ, is that we are making the case to the world that these innate longings must and can be satisfied through Jesus Christ and him alone. In terms of our quest to meet the deepest desires of our hearts, we say to the world is that we believe that's in Jesus. That's in him. And it's incredible, actually, that as we worship God and go on that journey of learning to worship God, that we become fully satisfied and full of joy and full of peace because we were meant for him. It's one of the great questions of life. Who is God? What are we for? We were created by God and we were meant for him and his pleasure. We were wired, everything within us, for him And him alone. And he, let me tell you, Jesus is committed this year, like every other year, but let me say it again in 2024, he is committed to thrilling you with himself. That's the desire of his heart to thrill you and to thrill me with his presence so that we are so overwhelmed. And it may sound arrogant. I've been following Jesus now for 34 years. And it sounds arrogant to say, look, I I could tell you, I will never, ever, ever walk out on Christ. Not because I'm something or someone brilliant, but it's because I've tried everything else. And only Jesus satisfies. It's only Jesus that gives me the joy that makes me want to get up in the morning and live a life of purpose. We were made for him. Why for him? There's nothing like it. To sing those simple songs this morning and just to dwell in his presence. And we'll talk about this over the coming weeks. There's a, a unique sense of God's presence when the body of Christ is gathered. You could, I wouldn't change that for anything. Anything. And I've had some beautiful things happen to me in my life Beautiful wife, got beautiful children. I'm so blessed. So blessed. Liverpool won the league a few years ago. I was happy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done, Joni. That's, that's done. Liverpool have won the title. Some beautiful things, but nothing satisfies. And there's an ache in all of our hearts for him. As soon as you wake up, We may turn to other things, we may turn to the news, we may turn to our phones, we may turn to jobs, 
But when we turn over and open our eyes, Jesus is there waiting for us to engage with him. He says good morning to us. We're thankful for getting through another night. We are blessed. We are blessed because we're in Christ. We're grafted into him. And he is in us. He's the hope of glory. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. It's utterly mind-blowing. We're not worthy, but because of the blood of Christ, we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. And so here's my theory. When I'm having a bad day, I often do my shirt up and I'll realize I've got to the end and I've put it the wrong order. Anyone else done that? <laughs> Only happens two or three times a week. It's got a picture of a misbuttoned shirt. I believe God's word for us this January 2024 is to prioritize the top button of worship. And once you get that and understand that, everything else will just fall into its rightful place. I believe passionately this year, and, and this is really going to help you, and I know it's going to help me at some point, but you may even circumstantially have a fantastic next eight, nine, ten months. And then a curveball hits your life. All of us throughout the year will go through things, situations, circumstances where life just throws you a curveball. And Christians aren't exempt from it. In fact, Christians are often the number one target for this kind of stuff. So praise and worship and these kind of things isn't about a response to just how good your life is. It's actually the thing that prepares you and postures your heart ready for when tough things come. And so when I was praying about this year, is I felt that, as always, this coming year we will all have battles, we'll all have difficulties, but we want to see worship as a warship. Worship as a warship to get through some of the battles that we will face in 2024. Our world, if you just think about it, right now is just groaning in response to the conflict and the wars and there's this cosmic battle going on between light and dark, between God and Satan. And we can't control what's happening out there. There are kind of two worlds. There's the world out there circumstantially, but there's also the world within here. And that's one area of our lives that we can control. The battle for our mind, the battle for our hearts. This is something that we can draw a boundary around. We draw a circle around and say, only God and his kingdom comes in here. And I'm preparing myself in that place of worship for whatever battle is to come in 2024. And I think a beautiful portrait of this, I was reflecting in 2 Chronicles, a uh, book in the Old Testament. I just want to briefly show you two contrasting things. A bit of context where this king, King Azar, and he's gone from seeking the protection of God at the beginning of his reign to now seeking protection and the support of humans, of people. 
of other armies. And so we read here in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 7. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Azar, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with a great number of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. And I love this. This is a great memory verse for 2024. Put it on your toilet door or whatever. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It says, you've done a foolish thing and from now on you will be at war. When someone goes from maybe even a year ago, the outset of 2023, your heart was a heart of worship, trusting, depending, focusing, fixing your eyes upon Christ. And then life throws some curveballs and we've gone off track. And so we stop relying on God. God himself, think about this, is looking throughout the earth. He's looking through the hearts of 8 billion people. And he's looking for those hearts who are fully invested in him, fully committed to him, who are focused on him. To not live off yesterday's faith, yesterday's intentions, yesterday's plans in God, but say, Lord, we need a fresh daily encounter in 2024. You know, as a church, 2023 was fantastic. It was a groundbreaking year on so many levels, but and this might frustrate people. It certainly frustrates, I know, Joni and probably some of our staff team. But that, that's done. We're grateful. But Lord, what have you got for us in 2024? There, there are new adventures, new dreams, new plans, exciting things that God has in store for us as a church, but also you individually, if you fully trust in him. And so he's looking throughout the earth for a people for a church, for a remnant, a Jesus people whose hearts are fully committed to him. And then you have a few chapters later, in chapter 20, the reign of Jehoshaphat. And I I just want to read you this beautiful portion of scripture, because this just sums it up. And so basically three nations are conspiring, coming against this king. And he responds immediately, uh, not by going, kind of getting a, a war room together, of his best thinkers and wisest people and best leaders, is he immediately, beginning of that chapter, goes straight into prayer and worship. And then a bit later, here is the response. Verse 15. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm. See the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kahathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. 
Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Notice the contrast. One king putting his trust in his self and other people. Another king, even though you want to control things and fix things, does the first thing worship and prayer, gets his top button done upright. And then God goes to war. God goes to battle for those who have put first things first. Their worship became their worship in this battle. And so to rewire our worship is to place our allegiance, our devotion, our commitment, our passions, our time, our energy, our first love unto Jesus. That's what God is calling us to this year. It's an invitation again. Because the reality is all of us have far too many things on our list. But when we worship him, that list doesn't matter anymore. In fact, they don't even come on our radar. And often we experience pain in our lives because we care about the wrong things on that list. And that's a reality check. Some of the things that actually we're going through isn't because in God's grand narrative and story and sovereignty and providence, he's allowing things to happen. But actually, it's because we've placed too much emphasis, too much care, too much priority on the wrong things. Worship is about a reordering of the right things and the appropriate amount of emphasis and priority. And so as we, as we seek to worship God this year, our greatest enemy that will come against us is, of course, idolatry. Idolatry. G.K. Beale, the biblical scholar, said this, what people revere, they resemble, either for ruin or restoration. So part of the significance of worship is that you and I become like the object of our worship. So most people who struggle with addiction, it is a worship issue. It is a worship issue. You worship money and you become a person full of greed. You worship sex and you become a lustful person. You worship power and you will become a corrupt, controlling person. You worship Jesus and you become like him. And if you want a, another goal for your life in 2024 is this, and it's for every single follower of Jesus, our goal is to become like Christ. To be sanctified, to become more holy, to become like him. And so this year there are two things going to be happening. And you'll see this as we study through 1 Corinthians for most of the year in February, is that 
If the goal is worship and the greatest enemy is idolatry, then two things will happen. First of all, there will constantly be an invitation by God. He'll constantly be inviting you to deeper, greater things in him. And his invitation is beautiful. It is where you are most satisfied and most fulfilled in him and in his purposes. But with invitation always comes confrontation. You can't set your focus on the worship of Christ and not have our idols confronted. Uh, and I, I've forgotten who said it, but it was, um, it was Calvin. All our hearts are like idol factories. And we're not talking about in the Old Testament. Sometimes we, we struggle to get our heads around this because we think, well, there's no golden calf there. We're not bowing down to it. There's no shrine. When we talk about idols, we're talking about it's so much more subtle. You know, we're in the days of, of Tinder and all these, this stuff. This, this is, I'm so lonely. And I don't believe Christ can fulfill the ache and the longing of my heart. So I'm just going to go on that and swipe right and just go through a bunch of superficial relationships. It could be with work, the idol of accomplishment. You know, I must get that job. And so you do everything you can to get that job. And sometimes that means you tread on a few people. You lack integrity with a few things. But what happens is you get the job and you realize three months later, this does not satisfy. I need the promotion. And don't get me wrong. There's levels of calling and drivenness and a godly ambition where we become leaders in our environments in order to influence and to win people for the kingdom. That is godly ambition. But when it's all about fulfilling and meeting the deepest need of my heart through things like work and accomplishment is that what happens is we're serving a foreign God. We don't call it idolatry, but it is idolatry. What I found is when you seek first the kingdom of God, all those things will be added unto you. You don't need to worry about a promotion. You don't need to worry where you'll be. You just faithfully serve the person in front of you. You just work hard. You just have a brilliant attitude. You steward what God has given you. And so an invitation will always bring about a confrontation. We should finish with this. We see this so clearly in the story of John. In John chapter 4, Jesus encounters the, um, the Samaritan woman. And of course, at the end of that chapter, it talks about that the goal is to worship him in spirit and in truth. But how do we get there? And of course, Jesus is offering this woman himself as the water of life. You will never thirst again when you come to Christ, when you drink of him. There's the invitation. Jesus is inviting this woman to drink of him the water of life where you will never thirst again. But with it comes a confrontation. The husband, the man you're with isn't your husband. And he gets worse. You've had five other husbands before that. So Jesus 
he's kind of he's poking around her, her life in an uncomfortable way, which is often what God does. And he's saying, this is a barrier to true worship with me. Because you're burning your way through relationships, looking to be satisfied, and it will never, ever work. Relationships are supposed to be a good thing, a blessing, but not a God thing. And so you see there, just in that text, Jesus bringing invitation and confrontation. And we will find this year is that often God will bring about a confrontation of the things deep inside our hearts as he invites us to the more. Never ever focus on one without the other, but welcome both things. And we're going to see over the coming weeks a bit more how that looks in terms of corporate worship. So before we worship and pray again, let me encourage you at the outset of this year is to put first things first. Is to get along to the prayer meetings. I was thinking about this and it's it's been maybe a tough thing to say, but I'll say it. I don't think anyone joins a church without prayer meetings. If, if you came here and I said, we don't do prayer meetings, we don't have any prayer culture in the church, I'm not sure if you're a Christian you'd want to stick around. But we don't often attend prayer meetings. So we want a prayer meeting, but we don't often attend it. And we, we have brilliant prayer meetings. We have good attendance. But I want to encourage you this year, we have a whole bunch of them. We'll, Joni and I will have one in our house tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. Back in the evening, 7.30, we had others in the week. Some of you I know gather on your own in groups, which is just awesome to have prayer gatherings happening just organically in the life of the church. This is what the early church did. Maybe you want to get, have a Zoom with two or three people weekly and just pray together for 15, 20 minutes. But if you truly want to get that top button done up called worship, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, I want to confront you, I want to invite you to make this year a year of prayer and consecration, to make this a year of worship. The stats tell you if you read your Bible even four times a week, statistically the things that will happen in your life will dramatically transform. And the things that will kind of scare away that are temptations and threats will completely dissipate and go. Commit to prayer. Commit to reading our Bibles. And let's start off 2024 together with great strength. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.